This broadcast of Moby Lives Radio is brought to you by Wind Publications, publishers of Missing Mountains, edited by Kristen Johansson, Bobby Ann Mason, and Marianne Taylor Hall. 35 authors write about the environmental, economic, and cultural damage inflicted upon the Appalachian Mountains by mountaintop removal mining. Available in bookstores now. For further information, go to windpub.com backslash books. Intergalactic headquarters of Melville House Publishing in Hoboken, New Jersey, a.k.a. the left bank of New York City, it's Moby Lives Radio. Greetings, Earthlings. It's Saturday, the 22nd of April in 2006. I'm Dennis Johnson. On today's show, I talk with the legendary Gerard Jones, chief cook and troublemaker at the Everyone Who's Anyone in Adult Trade Publishing website, where he posted rejection letters from editors and publishers and agents to his fiction manuscript, then sat back and laughed as many panicked to see their own words being published. Jones has started two more websites along the same lines, and we'll find out what became of that novel he was circulating. But first, here's some news from the book world. Well, Dan Brown is still walking around a free man today after dodging yet another plagiarism bullet this week. The second U.S. Court of Appeals has upheld a ruling that says Brown did not steal parts of someone else's book to use in his book that I can't remember the name of. Uh, Author Louis Perdue said Brown had lifted from his 1983 book, The Da Vinci Legacy, but the judge said that's ridiculous. A reasonable average lay person would not conclude that, he said. "Hmm." Uh, Perhaps because he's now preparing to be assaulted by unreasonable clerical observers, late Friday, Brown's publisher announced that his eagerly awaited next novel was being delayed and would not be released until 2007. Brown told the book standard, quote, My books are time-consuming to research and complicated to construct. I am taking the time necessary to ensure that this new book is every bit as entertaining as the Da Vinci Code. Close quote. Uh, then he added, Plus, every son of a bitch who can afford a lawyer is suing me, and that gets time-consuming. Amazon.com, formerly known as the world's biggest bookstore, now known as the internet retailer setting sales records, yet still 12 years later unable to make a profit, revealed what it's spending on company founder and renowned donkey imitator Jeff Bezos yesterday. According to regulatory filings released by the Security and Exchange Commission, the company, which expects to announce first quarter earnings of as much as $2.29 billion next week, paid Bezos $81,840 in salary for 2005. However, the company did admit, admit that it spent $1.1 million to cover security arrangements for Bezos, who owns 101 million shares of Amazon and is worth a reported $3.7 billion. Now, if they just put some of that money back into a phone line so you could call the customer service department, maybe they could reduce their security budget. Uh, Elsewhere, 
In preparation for the release of a movie based on Eric Schlosser's best-selling book, Fast Food Nation, the McDonald's Corporation has supposedly begun exchanging, quote, warlike internal memos about a planned, quote, full-scale media campaign attacking the book and movie. Uh, the website Cinematical.com reports that leaked memos show the megacorporation's campaign against fast food nation, which is about the hazards of eating at the fast food chain, is slated to include, quote, a truth squad leading a, quote, campaign to tell the real story, which would be, I guess, that trans fats and incredibly high-calorie diets are actually good for you, and will also include a campaign to, quote, discredit the message and the messenger. The best-selling 9-11 Commission reports are going to be turned into what publisher Hill and Wang is calling a graphic novel. The New York Post reports that illustrators Sid Jacobson and Ernie Cologne will depict the events described in the report, such as the hijackings and the struggles between passengers and terrorists on board Flight 93, against a timeline. Publisher Thomas Labienne of Hill & Wang, an imprint of Farrar Strauss Giraud, says the 144-page version of the 500-page report is done, quote, in a way that makes it far easier for people to grasp, close quote. He apparently didn't comment on the idea that further reduction of making the nonfiction report into a novel, that is fiction, might strike some as, well, I don't know, deeply offensive or at least sadly escapist. The 9-11 report, a graphic adaptation, is due out in September. In response to charges that his administration was dumbing down Australia's English education syllabus, Prime Minister John Howard has announced that postmodern literary criticism is, um, quote, rubbish. And he has threatened to cut off education funding to schools teaching, quote, gobbledygook. The Prime Minister's command of such an erudite vocabulary was enough to make the point to one esteemed Australian educator, Dame Leonie Kramer, Professor Emeritus of Literature at the University of Sydney, and called by the Australian newspaper Australia's Most Distinguished Literary Scholar, said she agrees with Prime Minister Howard, and that what worried her was, quote, the notion that you have to read, let us say, Shakespeare in relation to contemporary preoccupations such as race and class, close quote. The Australian further reports that a furor broke out after it was revealed that a prestigious Sydney school, S-C-E-G-G-S Darlinghurst, had asked students to interpret Othello from Marxist, feminist, and racial perspectives. But Howard's comments and his threat to cut off education funding drew a stinging response from many educators and from opposition leader Kim Beasley, who, referring to recent revelations that some in Howard's administration had taken bribes to break the Iraqi boycott, said, quote, instead of telling everyone what they should read, John Howard should make his ministers read cables about the bribes to Saddam Hussein. Close quote. Whoa, that's not a knife. This is a knife. If you've got a trendy writer in your neighborhood or you live near an MFA program, you've no doubt seen them, those small black notebooks known as moleskins because of their oilcloth covers. The notebooks were reportedly the favorite notepad of art icons, such as Vincent van Gogh, Henri Matisse, and Ernest Hemingway, at least that's what the manufacturer says, the manufacturer who relaunched the line in 1998. Now that company, Modo & Modo, 
says the relaunch has been too successful. Even well-known drug tester Pete Doherty has been seen with one of the Moleskins, and uh, they can't keep up with demand. Mario Beruzzi says his little company of 13 people can't maintain the pace of making enough of the notebooks to keep up with sales of some 4.5 million last year. And at 69 years old, he just wants to sell the company and have done with it. Well, finally, tomorrow is St. George's Day, also known as Book Day in some parts of Europe. The tradition, as someone named John Beckett recently pointed out in a letter to the editor of the Times of London, is especially popular in Spain, where people give each other books and the schools even offer guidance to parents on suitable titles to give to children. As Beckett writes, quote, the celebration is drawn from the popular legend of St. George in which the young lady or princess he released from the dragon's captivity gratefully rewarded him with the present of a book, close quote. Thus, says Beckett, some Spanish Romeos give their lovers a book and a red rose to signify the red rose that supposedly sprang up before St. George from the blood of the dragon he'd just slain. So, to review, men, tomorrow, to be ultra-romantic to your beloved, give her a book, then, lest she think you're some kind of womanish intellectual, give her a red rose and explain that it represents the blood that gushed from a large reptile you would have butchered for her. Then, spit on the ground. And that's news to me this week. I'm Dennis Johnson. It's Saturday, April 22nd, and here's a look at the week ahead in literary history. Sunday, April 23rd, is the anniversary of the birth, in 1564, of William Shakespeare. And the 23rd is also believed by scholars to be the anniversary of the death, in 1616, of William Shakespeare. Monday, April 24th, is the birthday in 1815 of the novelist Anthony Trollope, perhaps best known for his many-volume series, The Chronicles of Barsetshire. Tuesday is April 25th, and on that day in 1870, Dante Gabriel Rossetti published Poems. Pre-Raphaelite painter and poet Rossetti who was grief-stricken over the death of his wife Elizabeth in 1862, had buried his manuscripts of poems with her body. In 1869, as his interest in poetry revived, he began writing new work, and he had his wife's body exhumed to retrieve his earlier poems. The collection, Poems, is the final result. Wednesday, April 26th, is the birthday in 1893 of novelist and screenwriter Anita Luz. Luz wrote more than 200 movies, but her real fame came in 1925 with the publication of her comic novel, Gentlemen Prefer Blondes. She said she wrote the book as a spoof to entertain her friend, the writer, intellectual, and soon-to-be Melville House author, H.L. Mencken who was said to have had a taste for dizzy blondes. Thursday is April 27th, and on that day in 1667, the blind and destitute poet John Milton, 
sold the copyright to his masterpiece, Paradise Lost, to an English publisher for 10 pounds. Friday, April 28th, is the birthday in 1926 of the extremely private novelist Harper Lee, author of the American classic To Kill a Mockingbird. A very happy birthday to you, Ms. Lee. And Saturday, April 29th, marks the publication in 1875 of American novelist Henry James's Transatlantic Sketches. This collection of travel pieces, originally written for the Atlantic Monthly and The Nation and other periodicals, affirmed for the young James that he could make a living, albeit a slim one, living in Europe as a full-time writer. I'm Valerie Marians, and that's This Week in Literary History. I have Gerard Jones on the line. Gerard, welcome to Mobilis Radio. And I want to ask you about the birth of your now famous website, Everyone Who's Anyone in Adult Trade Publishing. Where did you get the idea for this website? Um, I got a lot of rejection slips from agents and editors and publishers for about... 20 years or so. <laughs> <laughs> this is a long gestating idea. Oh, yeah. But this was all back in like the normal times where you actually sent a physical manuscript out in the mail and mm-hmm. waited for three to nine months <laughs> mm-hmm. and got your manuscript back mm-hmm. with a printed note that said, um, something silly like mm-hmm. we didn't read this mm-hmm. but it was cluttering up our room mm-hmm. but we decided to send it back to you well i'd be impressed if you actually got any that were that honest <laughs> but uh how did that translate into a website well actually some were that honest i mean lots were that honest and really? i appreciated those mm-hmm. ab- above all mm-hmm. yeah there there's a oh i mean there were really lots that that were just terse and and mean and um, obviously ill-considered, but those were those were at least in someone's handwriting mm-hmm. that was, um, you know, they at least touched the paper that that they that they got out of the package. I thought that was considerate of mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. Um, Okay, wait, what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> Remember I told you, I'd, I'd ask a question if you got off subject. You, you weren't completely off yet. Uh, the, the question was, how did that translate into a website? For people who haven't visited the website, what Gerard does, or started doing anyway, was just posting responses. Um, I think it, was, it, it started with responses to your novel, which at that time was called Ginny Good? Right. Okay. Okay, after... I had a bunch of these paper rejections. I started figuring out email. I put I put the novel actually on a website in 1996, mm-hmm. and then I got an agent in London at Peters, Fraser, and Dunlop, which, which is a good, big, heavy-duty British 
literary and talent agency. Mm-hmm. And the woman was really a sweetheart. Her name was Rosemary Schoolar. And she told me to take the website down, which I did. And then she couldn't sell the book. And this was in about 2000. So I put the website of the book back up and started using that as a mechanism to get another agent since the British agent couldn't sell the book. Mm -hmm. And it was just simple to send emails to people and say, hey, here's the book, go read it. If you want to publish it, let me know. So that started me getting email rejections. And as a way of simply making it simple for myself to put all these emails on a website so I could just click them and a little box to send an email would pop up and then I could paste my query letter into the pop-up email box and send send a query to someone. Mm-hmm. And I did about a thousand of them. <laughs> and oh, God. <laughs> but, I mean, that's nothing compared to what's going on now. Well, okay. we'll, we'll get to that. All right, but... With these first thousand people, they would send me little snippy answers back. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, some were nice, some were nice, some were thoughtful, some were, you know, considerate, some were, they had actually read some of the stuff and, and said what they said, and, and I answered them in kind. Um, the, but then it, then it just seemed to me that I could set up a, a format to just make it simple to query agents. Mm-hmm. And I was mainly just agents that I was doing at, at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And then after I had gotten rejected by every agent that exists on the planet, I had decided to include <coughs> editors and publishers. So I put like a couple thousand editors and publishers in there mm-hmm. and did the same thing, sent them a query letter and got whatever rejection I got from them. Usually it was no response at all, mm-hmm. but maybe 5% of the time someone would actually say something. And what they said was generally pretty stupid, so I would answer them back in in in, in kind. Mm-hmm. Um, if If someone was snippy with me, I was snippy back. If mm-hmm. someone was nice with me, I was nice back. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like a, a, a something that other people could use, so I started telling them, hey, if you want to send query letters to agents, editors, and publishers, it, it's, like, it's like that Jeff Herman thing. I mean, it's all online. You can just go there. You can click the, the email address. You can send them a query letter, and it takes, a, you know, about two seconds each to send as many query letters as, as you want to as many agents, editors, and publishers as may be on my list, which are a very, very lot. Well, hold on one second. What's Jeff Herman? Jeff Herman is a guy who wrote a book called oh, The Insider's Guide to Agents, Editors, and Publishers or something like that, and he mm-hmm. sells about 20 trillion of them a year. But, and it costs like 40 bucks. And it's an actual book? It's an actual book, yeah. Okay, so by now, at this point in your saga, you've got just a hellacious database. Right. It's really massive, and it's right. online. Right. What, and, was, what was the first person, and you're, and you're posting the responses. Right. 
and so people can actually see uh, or get a, get a glimpse of a character behind uh, an email address. So what was the, how did the shit hit the fan? Well, I mean, the, some of them were just really sweetie pie. There's a, there's a woman named Claudia Cross who was at Sterling Lord. Mm-hmm. And One of the big agencies in New York. Right, right. And she subsequently moved to William Morris, I think. An even bigger agency <laughs> in New York and L.A. <laughs> so you, you helped her, uh, her rise. Yeah, and, and she liked the book. Mm-hmm. And she just didn't think she could sell it, mm-hmm. which, which is the, the standard thing you're going to get. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this, this is a wonderful book, but exigencies of the current marketplace for popular fiction is such that this ain't going to sell more than two copies, so okay. I can't represent it okay. because I want to make money. Mm-hmm. But I mean, she was a nice, she was a nice person, and I sent her a, a thoughtful letter back, and then I didn't hear from her so for a long time, so I got snippy with her, and then she wrote me another thoughtful letter back, and she said she showed it around to a bunch of other people around there, and they don't think it's going to sell either. Mm-hmm. So. You put the whole conversation up with her, including your snippiness and, right. and her politeness, right? And it didn't bother her. No. And then what happened? Um, I just I said, hey, this is kind of cool. <laughs> I'll just keep on doing it, right. and I leave most of them out. I mean, I you know, you get a bunch that are just really too boring for words, mm-hmm. so you just don't put it even put them on at all. Mm-hmm. But if there's any kind of a flicker of of niceness or snippiness or, or whatever then I respond to them mm-hmm. and put them in, put them on my website mm-hmm. some people would prefer not to have their words on my website right. and they have absolutely every right in the world not to have their words on my website uh-huh. but I just put redacted for their words and leave whatever my words are up on the website, and people can sort of figure what their words were. But you were uh, posting responses before you were redacting them. In other words, people had to request that you take right. them down. Right. And I think there was a period of time where people were slowly becoming aware that there was this great database available um, online, but it was when you had a few heated responses and a few people calling or criticizing oh, you, yeah. calling to be uh, removed from the site, etc., that you really got the world of publicity online. I got a little publicity, yeah. Yeah. So what was the, what were the ones that kind of kicked it off? Oh, there was a guy at, his name was Frazier, and he's at Hawkins. John, I think it's John Hawkins Literary Agency. Okay, I don't there know are about that one. four or five pretty good agents at that agency, uh-huh. and he was one of them. And and he's and he's a good agent. I mean, he sells books. He, yeah, you know, he he does okay. And I sent he he asked for me to send him a manuscript, so I sent him the manuscript, and it cost like fifty bucks to copy it and take it down to the post office mm-hmm. and send it to the guy and mm-hmm. all that mm-hmm. stuff. And then he simply did not respond further to me, period, ever at all, and hasn't in the last four years. Uh-huh. So after three months or so, I said, hey, I sent you a manuscript. What's going on with it? Nothing. After another three months, I say, yo, what about my manuscript? And 
no response. Uh So finally, I sent them an email and called them names, and lots of names all (laughs) in a row. (laughs) Uh, I'll let people go to the site to see what kind of names. And they can go to the site and see what kind of names I called them. But they were all eminently justified names to, to call a person who has you go do all this stuff and then just ignores you. Uh-huh. It's, it's like not nice. It's not polite. It's uh-huh. not mannerly. It's not done. I mean, it's done all the time, but I don't think people should get away with it. So this guy is memorialized as a, a jerk, to put it really, really mildly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you just get, you know, you get tired of being, of doing the kind of ass-kisser stuff that you have to do to get people to pay attention to, you know, your stuff that you've worked for 20 years to write, you mm-hmm, know. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it, it's a little demeaning, and, it, and it's a little off-putting. I mean, you know it from the other side of the equation, that you, you, you know, get piles of slop that, that you can't believe somebody could write something that bad, and they are as invested in it as, as someone who is a really good writer. It's and as hard to write bad as it is to write good, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, well, I can't do it, so... Well, what, what, <laughs> I, I understand, Gerard, you are the exception. But, and I should tell listeners as well, that, that Melville House uh, was one of the places that received your manuscript, and, and I think we passed muster because we, we did... We did respond. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, you guys in a polite were good. fashion. In fact, I, you were going to publish the thing. We wanted it, but we weren't fast enough. Yeah, because I mean, I the the eight. I mean, I finally I got so sick of Ginny Good that I went on to this other book. Well, hold on a minute. Let's talk about you know this whole process started with Ginny Good. So what happened uh-huh. to Ginny Good? Uh-huh. Oh, it it got published mm-hmm. and really nicely. I'm happy with it. I'm mm-hmm. I'm as pleased as punch. I mean, I I like the design they did. I like the editing. They they got a really cool editor, a guy named David Stanford. And who was the publisher? Called Monkfish Book Publishing Company. Monkfish, and right. it was David who? Stanford. Okay. He was he was Kesey's editor at Viking for mm-hmm. a while, mm-hmm. and he's just a really nice guy. I mean, mm-hmm. I, you know, it was all very serendipitous. Mm-hmm. I like the editor. I like the publisher. I like the the book designer that they had. I like my agent. They all got, they all got together and did it, and I just went along with it because I was sick of it by right. that time. I and didn't and you did you did finally get an agent. We should note. Oh yeah. yeah so your process strong. There you go. Give her a good plug. Yeah yeah yeah. The the, the, the process worked. R A C H A N pronounced strong. <laughs> and the process worked, in other words, all your diligence paid off. Well, in the back door sort of way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, what do you say, if, if I were to respond completely as a, uh, as a cynical capitalist pig publisher, right. I would say that, yes, it's true, my life is, uh, is full of unsolicited work right. coming in over the transom, right. and it's, it's overwhelming. Right. And I admit we're often slow. And I don't even look at it. Mm-hmm. And it's my policy to not look at it. Well, no, I wouldn't say it's not my policy. I'd say it's our policy to to to, to want to look at it, but to often be well. Then that then you're not a big time commercial publisher because uh-huh. there is no big time commercial publisher whose policy it is to even look at an unagented unagent. How do you say that? <laughs> you, you almost had it unagented. Yeah, 
submission, period. Mm-hmm. That's the policy. Mm-hmm. No, there's not a single editor at, at Knopf or Random House or Simon & Schuster or anywhere else who can look at an unsolicited manuscript right. that That's is not submitted through an agent. Right. I mean, there's a bunch of them who do, but it, it, they can't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's, it is actually a policy that in many places it doesn't get it past the mailroom. No, the, exactly. At the big conglomerates, right. it's just turned around. Right, exactly. Um, I mean, you know, absolutely. And an agent only wants to make money. Mm-hmm. And so the only thing that gets to a publisher is that junk which some little ditzy agent thinks is going to make him or her money. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing they will even think about taking on as an agent. So the only thing a publisher ever sees is what some agent thinks is going to make money in the current marketplace. And the current marketplace for for fiction or, or serious nonfiction or anything else is like really ditzy, stupid right, stuff. Right. And nothing else will ever get to a publisher. Mm-hmm. Because an agent wants to make money, period. That's it. That's all they want to do. And they think that that's all a writer wants to do, too. And that is what most writers want to do. They want to be the next Dan Brown. Right. If I were Dan Brown, I would slit my throat three years ago. (laughs) I mean, who would want to walk around being a guy like that? Uh uh You know, they want to get on Oprah. I mean, (laughs) who? Well, well, Gerard, you have uh, you're the champion of exposing that system, but you also reveal uh, that that there are alternatives that function. I mean, you yourself, uh, who have written a decidedly non-commercial novel, found an agent willing to represent that and a publisher. Yeah, and because and there are non-commercial agents and non-commercial publishers <laughs> around who are really in it for. The, the love of good writing, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and, and it's a rare exception. Because you just, you know, you got to make money. You, right. you As a publisher, you have to make money. Right. I mean, it, it costs money to, to, to hire book designers and editors and, and publicity and all the stuff that a, that a publisher has to do costs mm-hmm. money. To mm-hmm. print the thing costs money, you mm-hmm. know. The, I don't know why anyone publishes, period. I, I mean, you know, you get a, 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 an occasional serendipitous bestseller but for the most part books just don't make money period and you spend your days getting yelled at by writers you haven't answered yet <laughs> let's not forget that but look you you have you, you as i say you're the champion of ex- both exposing the system and, and pointing out that there is an alternative universe now you have moved on to an entirely different playing field and you have expanded the website to include uh, well, Hollywood. Right. How, uh, first of all, tell the listeners what you're up to and, and how it's working. Um, I added, I decided, okay, the book came out, it was a big critical success. I mean, everybody who read it, all three people, <laughs> <laughs> totally loved it. And, 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 and one of them was book. a critic, as I recall. <laughs> It, I mean, it got good reviews right. by, by the people who reviewed it, which right. were like four, right. and all, all of whom were running little dilapidated websites somewhere. I mean, the woman at January Magazine wrote a, wrote a nice review. 
a guy named Grumpy Old Bookman over in in England wrote a nice review. Mm-hmm. But it got absolutely zero publicity. There was no little blurb in Publishers Weekly. None of the library journals, Kirkus, none of those review guys had absolutely anything to say to, about it because they only go to those books which have been vetted by agents, which right, have been right. vetted by publishers, which are acceptable to... I mean, it's like a, it's like a catch-22 little wacko syllogism. Right. In order to get in a library, a book has to have gone through the proper channels. And the proper channels only allow for books which somebody thinks is going to make money. Mm-hmm. So you're not going to get any books worth reading in libraries either mm-hmm. because these guys who who do the reviews of, of books from the New York Times all the way down to the, to the Charlottesville Observer aren't going to look at any book that doesn't come to them through a big publisher which has been represented by a big agent, and agents have these little stables of their own current popular writers that do little blurbs for them and generate hype and all that stuff. And that's all that, that matters. People buy hype, period. That's all anyone ever buys. Nothing but hype. And if you don't get any hype, you don't get, you don't get noticed, you don't get read, you don't get bought, you don't get paid any attention to. And nobody in Hollywood is going to look at a book unless it's surrounded by a bunch of hype. So I decided to hype my book to Hollywood mm-hmm. because the, the publisher wasn't doing it, couldn't do it, because he wasn't a big publisher. And hype doesn't go to any books that don't come out from big publishers. Mm-hmm. So I said, well, the hell with this. I'll just go to Hollywood myself. So how do you hype it by yourself to Hollywood? You just go and figure out who all the people in, that run Hollywood are and you put them on your website, and you put their email addresses on your website, and you send them an email and tell them that they should go make a movie out of this book because it's a great book. Mm-hmm. And here it is. Go buy it and read it. Mm-hmm. So, so you, you replicated what you did with uh, with everyone who's anyone in adult trade publishing. With uh, What's the new one? Everyone who's anyone? Tinseltown. Tinseltown. <laughs> so it's not everyone who's anyone in Hollywood. It's... It's Tinseltown, but it's the same idea. But it's the same idea. And how big is that database now? That's about 3,000 people. Oh, my. <laughs> oh, my. That must be most of the industry. And, and, and how is it working? maybe 5,000. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. How, how is it I, working? I've never counted them up, but I think a reasonable estimate of all the people who are on my website right now, which also includes Propagandaville, which is a new category Uh-oh. I've added, because you need to have hype. Mm-hmm. And the people who run the hype machine are the people in Propagandaville. Mm-hmm. And those are everybody at the New York Times, the CNN, uh, ABC. So this is a news blah, blah, media blah, blah. database? So all, yeah, it's a whole media database. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you want to get in touch with anyone, everyone who's anyone in the media, you can go to my website as well mm-hmm. and tell them to hype whatever you want. Hype. Mm-hmm. Send them a press release. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's all it is. I'm sending press releases out, and I've got about 5,000 of them. But the whole, all added up is about 12,000 people. Now, how do you go about acquiring the names and the, and the, and the well, email addresses? There's a cool thing that Congress puts out, 
it's called the the Congressional Media Guide, mm-hmm. and it's got the the names and addresses and email addresses of everybody who is a media person, mm-hmm. and it's mainly political media guys. Mm-hmm. But once you figure out who does what else at the newspapers mm-hmm. or or TV programs or PBS or NPR or or whatever all those other places, you just do a little research mm-hmm. and you find out who else does what, and the the formula for their email address is always the same. Mm-hmm. Like so it's, it's like uh, first name dot last name at New York Times or something. Exactly. Like that. Yeah. Now I mean, New York Times is weird because they, they all do it different. So it's yeah. like. Michiko, I can't find her email address anywhere, man. <laughs> yes, yes, you would be, uh, you would have a hot ticket there if you could find that. Every publisher in New York would be offering you uh, cold hard cash. But, but listen, there are there are media guides. There are things like Bacon's where you can right. where you can find out who's in the media. But finding out, for example, I don't know the head of a studio in Hollywood. That's a bit trickier. How do you do that? You just go to the studio's website and you look at investor relations and it'll say <laughs> the board of directors and it'll say management and and that sort of thing and it'll say who 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 is the you know president of production right, right. for miramax uh-huh. is joe blow okay and the formula for sending joe blow uh, an email at miramax is, or weinstein company whatever they're calling the, the thing now is such and such at such and such. Right. So you just put them on there. Right. And then they get. So you figure out the formula for this. <laughs> you figure out the formula for that company, for example. Exactly. And then you just find out who the people are and you apply the right. formula. Right. right, right. All right. So let's back up. How is it working? You, 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 your scheme no works for selling a movie your book. out of my book, if yeah. that's what you mean. Yeah. Are you getting positive responses? Uh, every now and then, yeah. Mm-hmm. Someone will say, send me a copy. Mm hmm. And then they won't read it, mm-hmm. and they'll, you know, like sell it on mm-hmm. eBay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that's a, that's the as far as it's gotten so far. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I don't send out copies anymore to anybody. To hell with them. They can go and buy it. It costs five bucks. Yeah, it can get expensive, can it, to to mail all those copies out? Um, so, are you still plugging away at Hollywood? Yeah, yeah. I'm doing a big update, mm-hmm. and I've got. All the Propagandaville guys done, and all the New York guys done, the agents and editors and publishers, and I'm just about done with the literary and talent agents in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. Then I've got to do independent (coughs) motion picture production companies, and I call them gobbed up motion picture production companies because they're under the wing of major studios. Mm Like, you know, Paramount has 15 production companies Mm -hmm. that have exclusive deals with them. So I just put them all together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And some of them use the email addresses of the studio itself. And then some of them, like Focus Features is is universal. Mm -hmm. And, but they have their own formula for sending them emails. And then some guys you just can't get in touch with at all. Mm -hmm. So... 
you have to send it to their lawyers or their managers or their publicists. Mm-hmm. So I put them on there instead of the actual guy. And you have been Robert hearing... Robert Duvall got mad at me for putting his email address on there. Oh, really? <laughs> so you've got actors as well. Well, he's got his own production company. He's got his own production company. Clint Eastwood, man. You, nobody can get in touch with him. <laughs> so wait a minute. Did, did Robert Duvall uh, write you an angry letter? Yeah, he, t- he told me, get rid of me. And I said, I prefer not to. I thought you said you'd take it down if people request to be taken down. No, I take down what they say. Ah, ah. If I put I in see. that Robert Duvall said, mm-hmm. get my raggedy-ass email off <laughs> your raggedy-ass website, <laughs> and he said, okay, I don't want you saying that I said that, yeah. then I will get rid of the fact that he said that. Okay, but you leave the contact info up. Right. Okay. So, but you have, uh, he's not the only one you've heard from, I'm sure. No. Requesting that they be taken down. Oh, God. I hear from people all the time requesting that they be taken down. There's this NBC Universal chick, some lawyer who, like, go, her sole job is that, I mean, I checked her out on Google, and all she ever does is bitch about some improper use that she has perceived of the name NBC Universal or, mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. So she goes around being really vilely threatening. <laughs> mm-hmm. So she threatened you to take her info down? Yeah. 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 I mean, and how, she, what's she, the threat include? What does she say she's going to do? Oh, God. I'd take it down or I'll shut your site down. Yeah. And she, she went about trying to get my site shut down before she even told me that she wanted the stuff taken down. Mm-hmm. And the first thing friendly. I noticed that I got a, a notice from my, um, the people who register my, you know, whatever they call that thing, domain name. Mm-hmm. And all I had to do was say, no, I didn't do any of the things that she said I did. <laughs> and then that was the last I ever heard of it. Did you tell that to your, uh, your domain uh, keeper? Yeah, they sent, me a, they sent me a little form letter, mm-hmm. and I had to check some boxes. Mm-hmm. And so I checked all the right boxes, and mm-hmm. then I never heard anything more about it. Mm-hmm. But that was like back in December. And mm-hmm. like Variety wrote up a, a, a thing about the thing, and it just generated way too much publicity for, for, the, for the stupid studio. And I guess they just backed off. Now, what does this do to your traffic? Oh, the, you know, the only thing anyone ever pays attention to is some kind of little piddly controversy like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, my my website statistics went crazy. Mm-hmm. I got like, you know, 20 trillion hits in, in one minute mm-hmm. because all these little, like, would-be screenwriters and stuff said, ooh, 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 look, there's a big controversy going on between... Universal and and some little website guy. Mm-hmm. So let's all you know comment about that. Mm-hmm. And they're interested in that kind of trivial junk. And I that's what people are interested in. They're interested in trivial junk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you must still do pretty well. I mean, you've got an amazing amount of information up on three different yeah, but, areas. But it's but it's I mean it's I get about a million hits a month. Wow, average. Mm-hmm. And. It's, uh, it doesn't, I mean, I don't do it for anything. I don't do, I mean, I don't charge any money. Well, there's my next question. Yeah. You, I don't you do, do this all anything. on your own I dime. I do it for total fun. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just, it, I get a kick, and that's why I can do it, is because I can't, uh, because I'm not doing it for money. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, you can't, 
in order to really be free, a thing really has to be free. Mm -hmm. That's just a fact. Mm -hmm. You can't be making any money unless that makes you vulnerable. And if you're if you're not making any money, what are they going to sue you for? I mean, you have to have something to lose, right? In, you know, in right. order to, I mean, you have to keep yourself judgment proof. You know, mm -hmm. <laughs> you ever been tempted though? I mean, that's amazing to traffic. You ever been tempted to charge a subscription no. or something like that? No, because mm -hmm. I just don't like money. I mean, I don't like making money. Mm -hmm. I don't do things for money. Mm -hmm. I do things because I want to do them. Mm -hmm. And, and and I get what I get out of it is way more than anything I could ever get from money. Mm -hmm. I mean, what could I buy? Mm -hmm. You know, <laughs> you could buy a lawyer. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> well, Gerard, but I have I have had a lot of offers from lawyers to defend me. Oh, really? If, if any, if anyone actually gets serious about trying to shut my site down there there are all these public interest lawyers that are all hot to to defend it as a as a civil rights thing and mm -hmm. a free speech thing mm -hmm. and a free press mm -hmm. thing blah 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 mm -hmm. i mean it's it's really bill of rights stuff it's mm -hmm. really basic stuff and this whole internet thing is just is like that i mean you, people don't know how to react i mean i i tell them all look you got to quibble with google fine take it up with google mm -hmm. i mean that's where i get all my stuff mm -hmm. i don't invent this stuff out of thin air you know i i get it somewhere you find it all on google yeah i mean mm -hmm. it's all i mean anything that's on my site is somehow or other on google first mm -hmm. so if they want to if they want to shut somebody down let them try and shut google down mm -hmm. i mean that would be fun <laughs> <laughs> Well, Gerard, let's close by going back to uh, what started it all, your career as a, as a writer. What's the next book project? Uh, well, first of all, after I got done with Hollywood and nobody made a movie out of my beautiful book, I decided to, because the only rights that I still own, actually, that I didn't essentially sell to Monkfish, were the rights to the audio book. So I made it into an audio book all on my own, which I'm also giving away for free, mm -hmm. which is also on the website. And anyone who wants to download the whole 15 hours of, of audio stuff that is the whole book all by itself, along with about four hours of music that goes along with the words in the book, mm -hmm. um, they can do that. Mm -hmm. And that is so cool. I mean, I, I just made myself really extra super happy by doing that. So that's up on the site and available now? Right. Okay. And then what's your next writing project? I'm, when, as soon as I'm done updating this thing, which is probably not going to be until the middle of May, then I'm going to write this book, finish writing this book that I already started that is going to incorporate all the stuff that I have learned through doing the project of this website mm -hmm. about what an impossible, propagandized bunch of slaves people in the United States are. And, and it's, it's like, I, I don't even know how it's going to turn out. I don't even know what it's going to be. But it's going to be 
something that is 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 stuff that I have learned in the last eight nine years that has me excited to say. I mean, I have to get excited to say something. There's nothing, you know. I don't write just to just to put words on a piece of paper. It has to be something that I'm excited about, and I'm really excited about the the brainwashing that that people get done to them from the day they're born that the things that they think is are good are bad it's like black is white it's like animal farm stuff Mm -hmm. it's like really you know amazing that the, the stuff that not necessarily politically just in one's own personal life how one is affected by the the job that gets done, the manipulation that mm-hmm. gets done on them to mm-hmm. to to be good little consumers, to to grow the the gross domestic product by five percent a year, come hell or high water. I mean, th- th- this continual use of people as consumers is is something that just knocks me out, and I have no idea what I'm going to say about it how I'm going to approach it, how it's going to come out, but it's going to be fictional mm-hmm. and, it, and it's going to be like powerful and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I, it's something that I have that has touched me, that has made me just viscerally disgusted. And that's the only thing that, that I ever write that's worthwhile writing is, is something that I have to write. Mm-hmm. You know, and that feels right now like it's something that I have to write. So I want to hurry up and get done with this crap so I can go ahead and write that. <laughs> That's a cue if I ever heard one. Gerard, I'm going to let you get off to it. It sounds like you're ready to go, and I certainly don't want to get in front of that train. <laughs> okay. Gerard Jones, the proprietor of Everyone Who's Anyone, of Tinseltown, and what's the new one, Propagandaville? Yep. Thanks for coming on Mobiles Radio. You're more than welcome. Thank you. And that's it for our show this week. Thanks to our guest, Gerard Jones, the author of the novel Ginny Good, as well as the proprietor of the website everyoneisanyone.com, not to mention several other websites, which actually we did just mention in great detail. Gerard spoke to us from his home in, um, uh, you know, I, I don't know where the hell he was. But I do know where our engineer, Andrew Steinmetz, was. He engineered this show from his home out in Brooklyn. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks as well to the forces here at Melville House. That would be Becky Kramer, Kelly Burdick, and our publisher, Valerie Marians. If you want to write a letter to the editor of Moby Lives, just write a letter to the editor in the subject line and send it to moby at mobylives.com. Keep it under a million words, and we'll try to read it on the air. Meanwhile, that's it for this week. We'll be back next week. We hope you will, too. Don't forget, that whale is out there, man. Que tous ceux qui sont dans la vibe, lève-toi. Que toutes celles qui sont dans la vibe, lève-toi. Que ceux qui sont assis se lèvent, suivez pas. Allez, maintenant, on y va. Ces soirées-là, avant même qu'elles aient commencé. On est déjà dans l'ambiance et à peine entré sur la piste on lâche nos derniers pas Avec bien plus de cils que Travolta Pas le temps de souffler dans la foule on part en reconnaissance C'est la seule chose à laquelle on pense Chacun fait son numéro pour en avoir un Vu qu'entrer sans rien a pas moyen Ces soirées là On bat pour branche
Bon là, elle est seule, je fais quoi Je vais lui parler Non, vaut mieux que je me calme avant d'y aller Mais qu'est-ce qu'il attend pour venir me voir Bon, j'y vais sinon, je vais encore le regretter Ah, enfin, c'est décidé, peut-être que ce soir T'inquiète, la soirée ne fait que commencer Cette soirée là Oh, 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 oh,